Hello, everyone. Hey. And welcome back to another episode of the Black Wedding Podcast by Hugh I Do. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tania. Hopefully you all are having a great day today. How's your day, Ashley? Um, my day has been pretty good so far. I work from home today, so that's always a good day. Yeah. How about you, April? Um, my day is good. We are wrapping up a wedding for this weekend, so we were between the press and the studio, but so good so far. My day is not quite over. It's only six o'clock. <laughs> oh, okay. So we'll definitely try to make the most out of this time to not waste your time at all since you're still working. How about you, Tania? How was your day? Today was a good day. Today was slow at the office, and so um, I'm happy that it's over. It was good. How's the wedding planning going? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, we have officially booked the caterer. Um, I looked up a few more makeup artists that I'm kind of considering. So I would imagine probably would dedicate November to trials, mm -hmm. um, depending on how much I really like them based on their portfolio. Um, I'm noticing one thing, though, and I might save that for my unsolicited advice. So let me write it down before I forget. But okay. that's it. Um, <laughs> I'm getting to a point, though, where starting to not feel as stressed because the majority of the vendors that we need to book have been booked at this point, which is good because the countdown really begins now. So that's it. When okay. are you going to marry? Next October. <laughs> oh, so you still have a while. You started oh, early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she started really we start, early. <laughs> we started planning and locking down vendors before we were engaged. So, oh. yeah. But, um, yeah. Now I'm kind of like, all right, maybe about two or three weeks ago, I was starting to get stressed out because I wanted to figure out a caterer, wanted to figure out a makeup artist, and things took a little bit longer than what I would have hoped, but we're mm -hmm. here now, so that's all that matters. But, uh, Very true. Okay. We didn't get a chance to introduce our guest officially, yes. um, but we do have a guest on this episode, so... Um, I've already mentioned you, of course, once, but um, guests, please introduce yourself. My name is April Davenport, and I am one half of Papered Wonders, and we are a stationery and graphic design company, and we do, we specialize in wedding stationery, wedding and event stationery, but we also do graphic design and business collateral, um, but for the purpose of this particular podcast, of course, you'll know us on the wedding stationery side. Um, Mm -hmm. We've been in business now full-time for 18 years, um, but in the for over 20 years. So um, we've met many people like yourself, stressed and unstressed. Um, so, you know, don't stress yourself out too much. It does, it should get better as you get a little bit closer. So just, you know, remember to enjoy the process because uh, once you get married, nobody really cares about the bride anymore. So enjoy the <laughs> process of being a bride. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess now we can go ahead and dive right on in into the questions. April, how did you get into graphic design? Well, so the other half of Papered Wonders is Lisa Zachary. And when she started the business, I was actually still in college, but she was always into arts and crafts. And she was uh, working in corporate America at the time. And then when she had her daughter, 
18 years ago, because um, her daughter's now a freshman in college, she decided to come out of corporate America. She kind of just dove straight into starting her business full time because she had been used to doing greeting cards and invitations on a small scale for like family and friends, different birthday mm-hmm. parties. So she decided to try her hands at doing the business full time. Once she tried it, you know, the Lord blessed her. The business just kind of took off based on referrals. And she was able to, when she first started it, she was working with a few ministries. And so that's how the graphic design part started. And so, you know, designing like church logos and business collateral, business cards for small businesses. And then like after the first kind of wedding invitations that she did, then things just kind of spiraled upward instead of downward from there. And, you know, sometimes when we have little small moments to be able to reflect, it's kind of hard to think back way back when we were doing things on a smaller scale, um, just because it just doesn't seem as if those times even existed anymore. But, you know, there were times when we were just kind of doing like, you know, smaller things, but kind of, you know, the wedding industry took off like around 2010 kind of, and, you know, we took off with it. We are appreciative of that, but we were able to kind of start. So that was, you know, we started and she started the business full time in 2001. And so I think it was right at the time when we were able to really kind of get into it before the market was really oversaturated with a lot of people and really get a stable footing in it, then really kind of get a lot of education about different things regarding wedding stationery and event stationery as a whole. So um, it's been a journey, but it's been a great one. Wow. I think you can answer it like a lot of our questions. (laughs) (laughs) So you just went from college to working there? So I went from college and I went to grad school and then I came back home, but I've always helped um, work with Lisa because on our business side, we do a lot of copywriting. And so I'm an English professor also at Georgia State University. And so when I first started with her, I was doing a lot of the copywriting for our business clients because like we would have like brochures and catalogs and they would need a copywriter or a copy editor. And so I kind of started on that scale. And then once I actually moved back home, and I was still teaching but then when I, on the days that I didn't teach I started helping her in the office you know doing like a lot more hands-on things and then maybe started meeting with clients so I kind of still have like one foot on my teaching side and then one foot on the paper wonder side sometimes the candle burns at both ends for me um, you know especially during uh when the season is very busy for weddings so I've always been a part of paper wonders you know since its inception just in you know varied ways um but it's been good and so then as our business has expanded we've had to you know we've brought on more people to do a lot more of the production work so that we could uh, so that Lisa and I could do a lot more other things. So a lot of times now we still meet with, the, we sometimes we meet with a lot of our clients because we have a lot of out of town clients also. Um, and those people we may never meet with, but sometimes we may use like technology, like how you and I are using technology now. Um, and then sometimes we're blessed just because like we work with a lot of different planners. And so those planners are able to just kind of, by their word of mouth, the client just automatically trusts us and we don't ever have to meet with them. But then Lisa does a lot of the, design work and the creative pieces and then I'm more like client focused and making sure that the actual once Lisa's finished with it that the product actually gets out the door into the client. I feel like I'm trying to dig in my email right now. I really Mm -hmm. think 
my planner even recommends y'all. Who if is it's not my planner, I want to say my florist. Um, Courtney Jackson with the charming details. But if not oh, her, her. Who's your florist? Lanelle Moon, a special event factory. Okay. I know both of them though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just And your name when when you emailed me though, I feel like I've seen your name. I don't know really? if it was just maybe on Instagram, um, but your name looks so familiar. <laughs> and um, um, maybe it was, you know, because sometimes we just have people to say, um, I've referred this person to you. You may get an email from them. We, Like I said, we work with planners all across the country. And so, you know, that's really helped to expand our business and really being able to solidify those relationships has helped us to really kind of like if we, you know, work with the planners, then obviously when they have brides, they just bring their brides right to us. And so, you know, we have planners mm-hmm. that we work with all of the time in like New York, in L.A., um, in Houston. And so um, that's really helped us to really expand our company brand. And I feel like when I go down wedding rabbit holes, maybe at least one out of three of the weddings that I see, will ha- they tagged you because either <laughs> y'all did their menus, their entire suite or save the dates, what have you. Right. I'm just like, okay, good to know. Yeah. And it's, you know, because it's stationary, because we don't have to actually be there on the wedding day, like a planner actually has to be there. um, Mm -hmm. That gives us the flexibility to be able to do multiple weddings in a weekend. Right. So like Mm -hmm. this particular weekend, um, we have like an event and a wedding. But like last weekend, we had three weddings. But of course, you know, and like one was in uh, Florida, one was in New York and one was in Atlanta, but we don't have to be at those places. You know, every now and then we do have, depending upon um, how intense the setup may be, there are times when we are on location, um, you know, because sometimes like we may have some weddings where the escort card display or the seating chart display is is very intense. And so, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes our planners are like, okay, my team is not doing this because <laughs> you guys need to handle it. It's your vision. We want you to do it. You know, because sometimes we'll be texting them and like, that is not right. The pictures you're sending us is not how it's supposed to be set up. And so, you know, in advance, they'll be like, okay, you and April or you and Lisa just need to be here on site to set it up. And so sometimes we'll have to do that because sometimes people want a little bit, you know, a little more out of the box type of things. And so yeah. in those cases, we do have to be there for setup but we plan in advance for those days. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) So what are the biggest misconceptions you've noticed when it comes to like graphic designers and the actual, yeah, graphic designers just in the industry in general? Well, as I mentioned, of course, you know, it's so funny because obviously uh, in 2001, when Lisa started the company, we could literally count on our hand the number of african-american wedding stationers um literally and that's probably like across the country now you know 18 years later uh as i mentioned you know the market has become saturated because you know the internet makes people everybody thinks that they can do everything um and what we do know of course is that uh, you know, not every stationer is a graphic designer, right? So just because 
you might can print paper, that doesn't mean that you can create the art that goes on the paper. And so a lot of people, uh, you know, tend to have that misconception and those people that are producing and the people that are buying. Um, So, you know, sometimes people don't understand the value that comes along with custom stationery and why they are having to pay what they need to pay because, you know, it it is art and that art has to be actually created. And so, you know, in our social media world, you can have people that put anything out there on their page, right? Mm -hmm. Theirs or not, because, you know, not everybody has integrity. And so then when you have a client that books with somebody and they're really expecting a certain thing, but then they're not actually getting it because that person really doesn't know how to actually make that piece of art, right? They don't know how to create that. The only thing they really know how to do is kind of like use templates that come along with certain software. (laughs) And so then, you know, so then what happens is, they've kind of booked a person at a lesser price just because they want the lesser price. And then what they really do though, but they want it to look like our work or somebody else's work. You know what I'm saying? And they're mad then because they've already invested though, you know, and nobody really has enough money to reinvest. So, you know, they're upset. Um, And it's an unfortunate thing though, um, because you have people that think that, you know, from the outside looking in, Oh, I can do this too. But really, you can't because it's more than just, like I said, buying paper and printing on that paper because it really is an art form. And every stationer is not a graphic designer. A lot of times when we have people who will approach Lisa to say, you know, oh, I would love to get into the stationary world. Could you mentor me? And, you know, Lisa asks them various questions and, you know, and most of the time she asks them about their graphic design background or, you know, if they have any design experience at all. And, you know, they may say no. And then, you know, and that's just like a red flag for us. And so, but, you know, sometimes that seeps in, but sometimes it kind of goes over their head. And then, you know, we understand that that really is just like another person who's really entering into the market. That's only just going to be putting out something that people are thinking they're going to get, but they're really not going to get the product that they think that they're going to buy. So, right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I, think Avery templates and Microsoft Word can get people <laughs> to thinking that they're, they're doing a lot more than <laughs> what they're doing. And and Michaels and Hobby Lobby because, yeah. uh, you know, they have all of these, you know, boxes that come yeah. with like, you know, party in a box and everything like that. And you can just kind of buy it and, you know, like, oh my God, you know, from the outside, they have all the design, a designer has put something together on the outside and they make you think that if, as long as you do everything that it's going to come out looking exactly like that. And it's not, it's really not going to come out as looking exactly like that, but it's a gimmick and people fall for the gimmick every single time. So, I mean, it's the same thing on the floral side. Like people think that they can buy the flowers and then it's going to automatically turn into something that a professional florist does, but there's more than just buying the actual flowers. You know, same thing with food. I mean, everything, you know, it's it's on every side of the industry. But like I said, uh, the world that we live in today makes everybody think that they are a professional. And it's just sadly not the case. Yeah, I'm noticing that a lot, too, with uh, as well, with some of the vendors that I've already booked, but even 
some of the vendors that I'm still kind of gauging, um, looking at their Instagram accounts and looking at their websites and kind of seeing, okay, this is just a hobby of yours that you really like and would like to make some money off of, but you're not really professionally trained. And I think for me, um, not to really go down a rabbit hole about my wedding, but we're here. Um, <laughs> for me, I'm like, I have a marketing background. I like photography. I have like a certain interest in photography and videography, but also I, I think I'm better than probably an entry level person in terms of like graphic design experience. So, but I'm not trying to do that whatsoever. I'm also not trying to, you know, photograph anyone's wedding or film anyone's wedding because I like it, like, I like it, but it's, I I wasn't trained in it enough to feel comfortable to then hand off a product or service to someone that they would essentially cherish the rest of their lives. I say that to say, too, I'm looking at all of these vendors with more scrutiny than I would if I had no knowledge whatsoever. Because I think those that are a little bit closer can understand, okay, that's a great photographer. That's not a great photographer. That's a great, you know, makeup artist versus that's just someone that just slaps some makeup on their face. So if you're closer to whatever I think the industry is, you're a little more cognizant of what is really experienced and what isn't. Because like you said, social media can get you to thinking that everyone is like top notch. But if you start to really scroll through, it's like, no, that's kind of blurry. That wasn't sized right. That was, you know, you start to notice the like little things that, your average person just wouldn't know right. whatsoever. Like Tania, when she gets to that point, I'm going to be extreme <laughs> <laughs> because I can see Tania being like, "Oh, that looks nice," and I'm like, "Uh, uh hold on, no, <laughs> no, nope. they don't really know what they're doing." <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the question. Sorry. Okay. 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 So what is a wedding invitation suite and what are other elements of the wedding that can be designed? Well, obviously people, um, they like to incorporate everything into mm-hmm. their wedding. Uh, you know, the wedding is now like, we, we, t- we talk about it all the time in the office. It's like competition, especially like sometimes we have I don't know if you guys like to watch wedding movies, but I, I love to watch wedding movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite is Bride Wars. Like, I mean, yes. I just I could watch it over and over again. But, um, <laughs> you know, and they're just like, they're, it's funny because they're best friends, but they're competing, right? Their weddings are like competing. But that like literally happens, right? Especially like if you get, sometimes we will get um, a bride and then she'll refer us to all of her friends. And so it's like, five or six people in the same circle that get married Mm -hmm. like over the course of like two years. And so we're like scratching our heads, trying to make them all different (laughs) because, you know, they're like all these people are going to the same six weddings. (laughs) Right. So like we want to like showcase the difference in our business too. And then they're secretly saying, okay, well, what did the other person have? Because I need Mm -hmm. to one up them. (laughs) And so, you know, like a typical suite, uh, has a save the date 
um, the wedding invitation, wedding program. And sometimes people, you know, just make those really simple. The menu card, uh, escort card or a seating chart, and then a thank you card. And now, though, you could also have like if you have a plated meal, like so there's choice, then you might also have a place card at the table. Mm -hmm. So the escort card tells people where to sit. And then the place Mm -hmm. card is at the actual table to denote the type of meal. And then it may also tell them which seat at the table that they're going to sit at. And so then now you can also have like bar signage, you could have napkins, you could have drink stirs. I mean, you know, the list really could go on and on people we do like custom pillows that people have like lounge areas or um like now you know some guys have maybe like a cigar uh lounge at their weddings mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so basically if it can be printed people are asking for it um so you know their suites are getting they're being expanded more and more we even do snapchat filters for the day of the wedding so okay. that it's a custom snapchat filter so all of that is included and so you know sometimes and and that's the good thing about our company is that everything that we do is custom so you don't have to get any one particular item or you could get everything um with us so you know we try to we like to do packages where but every package is still custom so there's not one set package that you have to get but we do encourage people to at least do a save the date because people are busy and they plan their schedules out, you know, well in advance, especially people who have families. Obviously, the invitation is still a staple regardless. Um, and a printed invitation still remains proper etiquette. And then programs are, are iffy. You know, it just depends on if you're still kind of mildly traditional or not. We encourage people to get a menu card because people like to know what they're eating. And Uh it really just enhances the table look. I mean, if you kind of look back on your pictures and there's no menu card, it really doesn't matter what's in the center of the table. It's just a boring table. (laughs) That's what we try to tell our our brides. And so typically when we're in a consult, we just kind of have to show them the pictures, you know, like this is a table without menus. And this is the table with menus. <laughs> and so and usually the demonstration works <laughs> because we really want to encourage them. And then, uh, you know, the seating is really kind of left up with them. And that kind of really becomes a discussion between them and their planner. Like, you know, if you have a intimate crowd, like, you know, less than 100 people, maybe seating is not that important. Like you might could do a free for all and you just reserve a couple of tables for your you know, intermediate family or immediate family. But if you have more than 100 people, we always encourage that you do assign seating because you have, you never want really like a bum rush, you know what I'm saying, when the doors are open to the reception room. Mm-hmm. So I would say that those are the staples and pretty mm-hmm. much everything else is really just an enhancement to your decor and kind of really just depends on your budget, basically. Okay. Okay. How long does it take you to produce an invitation suite for you and your team? So obviously that depends on the nature of the invitation. We always like to begin working with brides at least six months in advance mm-hmm. just because because it is a custom process. And so more than likely we're designing a custom monogram for that bride to use throughout their wedding and planning process. And they get to do whatever they need to do with that monogram. So sometimes, you know, brides, like we might design a custom dance floor 
for the brides or they may have other things that they're using that monogram for. Some people just like to use it because they kind of use it like it's their logo basically for the wedding. And we don't like to rush any parts of the process. And so we kind of take it piece by piece. So if we were doing like mm-hmm. a full suite, then we would do like the monogram first, then to save the date. And then close to the time for us for the invitation, we work on the invitations. So it's not to really overwhelm the bride. So that's what we kind of like to work at least six months in advance. But if we were just talking about just the invitations and it was like, you know, just a, a printed piece on paper, but still like specialty printing with gold foil, we would still want to start at least two months in advance of, you know, when they would need it again, because it is still a custom process. And we really like to make sure that the bride is happy with what they want and to give them time for proper revisions. Now, have we had people to say it's Monday and I really need invitations on Friday? (laughs) Yes, we've had them to do it. But in that case, it becomes very hurried process. And, um, you know, they don't get, the number of revisions that they would like it's like okay you need to accept this and like everything needs to be spelled correctly the first time around um but those are like uh you know what they used to call shotgun wedding (laughs) we've had to do those (laughs) um but then if it's like a you know if it's an acrylic piece or a leather piece or there's a box Mm -hmm. involved different things of that nature obviously those take a little bit longer to produce and then the quantity also matters. So um, we always tell the bride, the longer they can give us, then the less stress it is on them, obviously. That makes okay. sense. Mm-hmm. Why should or shouldn't the bride or her family member or her homegirl or whoever design their invitation suite? <laughs> well, it goes back to, first of all, um, with, you know, knowledge. Okay. So mm-hmm. if, if it's not your skill set, number one you should not try to do it because you know we can dream a lot in our head but it's not always going to come to fruition so that's number Mm -hmm. one number two um just as I kind of told you at the beginning we really try to encourage our brides to be the bride and when they're setting out because we have a lot of times you know not what not that brides really our brides really don't want to do their invitations, but we might like have a bride to say, oh, I can do my welcome back or I can do my own favors, you know, something like that. And what we'll say to them is, you know, a year in advance of your wedding, all of that sounds great because, you know, you're 12 months out and you think that you're going to have all of this time. Mm-hmm. But the closer you get, all of that time really shrinks. Mm-hmm. And the commitments that you think you're going to have from all of these lovely people that are saying they're going to help you, all of that goes away too, because you've exhausted them most of the time Mm -hmm. from all of their other commitments, right? They've planned bridal showers for you. They've planned bridal luncheons for you. And even though they're not really telling you that they're tired of you, they really are. And so, you know, they don't want to be doing your welcome bags the week of the wedding because they're having to gear up for the actual wedding. And so the less that you can take off of these people, the better it will be. And, you know, it never fails that you have a person to say, no, 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 it's going to be great. And then two weeks before the wedding, they're calling us to say, so you remember what you said? <laughs> How much is it going to be? <laughs> I'll let you guys do it. And then we're scrambling, you know what I'm saying? Because now we've having to adjust our project calendar. So again, it's always just wise when 
the bride focuses on being the bride because for most people, it's just really a once in a lifetime experience. And you should really focus on enjoying that experience and not trying to be a florist, a caterer, a stationer. You know, if you're going to hire vendors, you should really put your trust in those vendors. If you're going to hire a wedding planner, you should allow your wedding planner to do his or her job. Because if not, then you're really paying these people for not. And nobody can replace you as the bride. So you should just be the bride and allow your vendors to do the jobs that you've hired them for. It really works out much better in the end. And when you get ready to look back, you'll be so much glad that you did. Mm. Makes sense. So how popular is calligraphy? You know, calligraphy is still very popular, actually. Um, We still have a lot of brides that use it. We are able to, a lot of times, we do digital calligraphy on our envelopes. And because of, you know, the vast amount of fonts that we have access to, it really looks like hand calligraphy. But I do know a lot of people that still like the calligraphy look, um, especially a lot of brides whose, you know, moms might be really heavily involved in the planning. They really want, you know, a classic look for the outside of the invitation. Mm-hmm. Um because they want, you know, it, it, especially if they're inviting a lot of their friends too, they really want it to look like a staple um, of the invitation. So I would definitely say that it's definitely not out of style. Um, but again, it's one of those things where you have to start in enough time in order for it to happen. Um, because if you're using a hand calligrapher, they need the time in order to be able to make it work because you don't want to you don't want to rush the calligrapher and then risk them, you know, messing up or not doing their best work. And most calligraphers like, you know, a month or two in order to be able to get it done. And so what that requires is having your list ready. And most brides <laughs> have such a difficult time with their address list. Um, and so like, you know, what we tell people all of the time is that, you know, there are two things you should do after you enjoy the vastness of saying, I, yes, I'll marry you. Uh, you should set your date and you should work on your guest list because those are the two hardest things to decide. And once you set that date, sitting down with your fiance and getting that list together, it is really a hard task, you know, because most people, you know, they have an abundance of people that they really want to share the day with. Um, but, you know, as you know, and really... It's not even necessary. Some For some people, it's about budget. But for some people, it's just really about space, you know, because even if it wasn't about budget, there is really no space where you can invite like a thousand people. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, at some point, you just have to figure out a way to cut the list. And so like doing that is a hard task. And so, you know, people really they avoid it, avoid it, avoid it because it's really stressful. And so like really taking the time to sit down and do that because like people, so then they put it to the side and they're like, okay, well, I'll, I'll start on something else first. I'll book my caterer, you know, I'll book my station, I'll book my florist. And then the list just kind of just sits there. And then we have people like, you know, when are we going to start working on the invitations? And then, you know, we're starting it and, you know, we get through the design process. And so then we're like, okay, well, can you forge your guest list? And they're like, okay, well, we're still working on it. <laughs> we can't go to print on the envelopes if we don't have a guest list you know right. we don't know a quantity or anything like that you know and then they're still kind of like 
pulling teeth with their family members or their parents or their fiance, you know, so it's, it's a daunting task, but it has to be done. So that's how we kind of tell people started. And, you know, like you have some people that, uh, um, they get it down and then they revisit and then they like, Oh, well, I just met someone. So I'm going to add them to the list. And, you know, every time you ask somebody, you got to think about all the other things that you're also adding. So it's a trial. So I just, you know, you have to keep that in mind though, if you do want to do calligraphy, that that list has to be solidified. That makes sense. Do y'all design custom websites? We do. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, because we have, especially for destination weddings, so mm. because a lot of the information, you know, it's just so much information. Sometimes you don't really want to print that all. Mm-hmm. And then the information is constantly changing. So, you know, for, for destination weddings, especially when they're out of the country, the the process is, is kind of flip-flopped. So when the save the dates go out, that's really technically like the invitation because mm-hmm. you really kind of need your commitment then from the people, from your guests. So mm-hmm. the save the date goes out and it has, you know, a lot of information on it. And then really your invitation is really only going to people that you know for sure are coming because at that point people have already had to book and make, you know, reservations right. and things of that nature. So a lot of times people have websites because, you know, maybe travel information has changed or itineraries have been updated, you know, different things of that nature because people are constantly having to send out things from like a booking agent or, you know, the locale. Mm-hmm. And so you could, and you might have sent out the same dates like six months prior or nine months prior. So it's not really time to send out the invitations yet, but you do need a way to be able to communicate with your guests. And so for a lot of people, they want to maintain the look and the cohesiveness of their save the date and the invitation. So they do have us design a website that has like the monogram and, you know, the same fonts and pairings and different things of that nature. So yes, like I said, if it can be designed or printed, we can do it. And so what do you think about online invitations? We do not think about them at all. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Or you invite me to your wedding. (laughs) Not not for a wedding. Not for a wedding. We don't don't think about them at all. Because, again, like I said, it is still proper etiquette to send a printed piece. For a birthday party, maybe, Uh you know. And and if it's an informal birthday party. But, like, like, if you're doing like a 50th birthday party at a hotel and you're asking people to wear formal attire, no, you need to be sending out a printed invitation. But if you're just doing like a cookout in the backyard, you know, at your home, you you know, we might design like a graphic for people to do and they might, you know, send that out via email or text. That's fine because it's very informal. You're not really asking a lot from people. But again, I think that, you know, the nature of the event should decide whether or not you're going to invest in the invitation. But for a wedding, there just is no getting around a printed piece because you're asking people to invest time. You're asking people to invest money. You're you're asking people still to get you a gift. And the least you could do is really to send them a printed invitation. Okay. So it's still, you know, it still is the most or if not the most, one of the most important days of a person's life. Definitely. Okay, so what um, trends are you noticing within kind of the wedding stationaire industry? Um, So the trends that are still out, and these trends have been kind of popular for about a year, two years now. Um, Texture is still pretty popular, so people like 
things that they can feel kind of so they're still really into like acrylic leather suede mm-hmm. things that are just more than paper right mm-hmm. um and so then also the print processes so if it's foil or if it's metal press so when you rub it obviously you can feel a texture people are also into patterns so mm-hmm. like a wedding we did over the summer uh, she really loved the red roses so there were red roses pretty much everywhere in the stationery we put it on the dance floor I mean like she was just in love with red roses but we could do it in a way where it wasn't overbearing but it still incorporated her love for it and still just really made the invitation look really really nice so anything that really makes the stationery suite stand out um, and makes it look really unique then people really like that because they want it to be distinguished from someone else's. Should the save the dates match the invitation? Um, it, I wouldn't say match, mm-hmm. but it is, the suite should be cohesive. Okay. Does that make sense? So yes. we always try to make sure that, so for a lot of times for us to save the date, because it is a more of an informal piece, people like to use the photo. Because, like, sometimes people may not know the other person. So, like, if you know me, maybe you haven't met my fiancé yet. So this gives you an opportunity to know us as a couple. So because pictures are not really encouraged for invitations, because that's still not proper etiquette, but for the Save the Dates, it's an informal piece, so you can use that. So our Save the Date might be a photo, and it might have on one side the photo, and on the other side the date, and, you know, Atlanta, Georgia. But then the invitation wouldn't have that photo on it, but there, the monogram, the fonts, and if there was like a design within the envelope liner, that might transfer to the invitation. So that way, when you get ready to see the entire suite, you can realize that they're a part of the same suite. So they don't match match together, but they are cohesive. And so that's what we try to do. And that's why, like I said, that monogram for us is very important because that's what really ties in all of the stationary pieces. And so sometimes like even with the monogram, we might have like a crest around the monogram. And so it may be something that we pull out of that crest that we create into a menu shape, you know, anything of that nature. So we just want to make sure that everything looks cohesive. And that's why we really try to encourage people, if they do book us, to book us for their entire stationary suite so that it does um, look like they got everything from one place. Gotcha. Makes sense. That makes sense. Um, when should save the dates be sent? So they should be sent um, at least six months in advance, but not more than a year in advance. So six to 12 months in advance. Okay. And what should invitations be sent? And invitations are still um, at eight weeks etiquette. Every now and then you could get away with 10 weeks etiquette, but not before 10 weeks. And sometimes, you know, the internet, again, people um, look on there and they're trying to do like four months in advance, but that's way too early. People are not checking into your wedding at four months in advance. They love you, but they're not checking in at that point. Um, and that's why you should really send a save the date so that they, yeah. you know, they plucked in the date so that they have it on their calendar. But if you do four months in advance, people are just, they're not, and people do that because they think, oh, I'm going to get my RSVPs back early, but that's not what's going to happen. What they're going to do instead is say, oh, I got time. 
and then time and all the other mail piles up on top of time. And so then you find yourself still chasing them for that RSVP and they've actually forgotten about it. So if you stick to the eight to 10 weeks, then you, you would be actually in a better position. So then they're, then they're starting to actually prepare for your wedding. What is the difference between the information that should go on the save the date versus the invitation? So for the save the date, you're really just introducing the date and the city so that people can prepare. And then if you do have a wedding website, you can include that wedding website on there. And your wedding website really should include more details on there. So if you already have like a hotel hotel recommendation, then you could put that on the wedding website. But, you know, a lot of times people are, hotels are not letting you book a year in advance. So that's going to be a little bit closer to the time of your invitations. And that's why, you know, we tell people, and unless you have, and that's really for your out-of-town guests, right? So your out-of-town guests can start to prepare. So, okay, I know I need to be in Atlanta in June, right? And then when it's time for me to book, I might need to be looking at, you know, the St. Regis or something like that. But the same way, just not blocking up your room a year in advance. So they're not going to do that until closer to the time. But you might just have hotel recommendations. Um, but then when you are seeing your invitations, you'll actually have your code then. So then they can actually book their specific room. But if you were doing a destination wedding, you would already have that information. So then you could send that with the save the date. But other than that, you would just really need to send your date, your city, and like I said, a wedding website, if you have it. And that's because they could just really keep checking the wedding website if you were, you know, constantly kind of updating it. And then some people, you know, put like their love story on their photos, just different things to kind of get people excited about the wedding journey. But other than that, you don't really want to send a lot of detailed information because it's really just a save my actual date. Okay. And then with your invitation, you're sending that specific information for hotel accommodations or RSVP cards. Um, if there were like, if you had a venue that had very specific driving or parking instructions, then you could send that. Um, but now in our age of GPS, it's not necessary really to send driving directions anymore. Mm-hmm. Unless again, you know, you knew the GPS couldn't pick it up or something like that. How long should one give their guests to RSVP? So about a month. And that's because, so like, for instance, so if you send it at the eight week mark, then you should put a month from that date, a month to five weeks from that date from when you sent it out. So if you, let's just say your wedding is March 12th, you send it out on January 12th, right? Or even if you send it out on January 1st, post office is closed, but that's fine. January 1st. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you should say February 12th, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because that's a month from your wedding. That's the perfect date. Because what that really allows you to do is to allow for any last minuteers. because really your caterer does not need the numbers a month in advance. Nobody's ordering food for your wedding a month in advance. But that allows for the, you know, the slackers, the post office, because the post office is a slacker. And then by the end of February, you should have pretty much everybody and you should have those people who, okay, I haven't received something from Ashley. Let me give Ashley a call, right? And that's giving you enough time to make your phone calls. And then when your caterer needs that number around seven days in advance, you should have it. So that, you know, that that gives you a good window of time for the people that you need to catch up on. Okay. What are your thoughts on plus ones? Who should receive one and how are they labeled? So if you have the budget, 
then, you know, I would say, my, or my mom and dad would say, let everybody bring a guest, you know, because nobody wants to come to a wedding alone. That's what my dad would say. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> everybody needs somebody to talk to. But if you don't have the budget for that, then my rule of thumb is, or our rule of thumb is always, if you know the person, then you, sh- you know, extend the invitation. If you mm-hmm. don't, then don't extend the invitation. So if Ashley were inviting, it's Tania or Tania? I'm sorry. Tania. Tania. Uh-huh. And you know Tania's boyfriend, then let her bring him, right? But uh-huh. if you, if she was just going to pick up somebody for the night, then you probably would not want Tania to bring <laughs> him to your wedding. Um, not right? at all. But if you knew she had an established <laughs> date already, somebody that she was already with, then it would probably be kind to let her bring him to the wedding. But, you know, she hadn't been on date in six months, so no need to make my <laughs> not, my wedding date night, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, no need to feed anybody on my dime. So then that would be, you know, my rule of thumb. Obviously, if somebody is married, you have to extend. If somebody is engaged, etiquette really says that you should extend. And then beyond that, again, it would be your judgment. And then the way that that's listed would be Miss Tania Pario uh-huh. and guest. Okay. Yes. And then if she, if you're not extending it, it would just have her name and she would need to understand that, no, she cannot bring anybody. That reminds me of something else. Okay. So what if her date is a doctor? How would I label that on the invitation? Like, because he's her guest, but he has the bigger title. But, like, you're not obligated. Just because you know him, you mm-hmm. aren't obligated to list him by name. Oh, okay. Hmm. You could just put and guest. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So like, for instance, and this is going to sound funny because she's my sister, but <laughs> my sister and I threw my parents' uh, 40th anniversary party this past summer. And so my sister has an established boyfriend for, like, six years. Okay. And I only say that to get this point across. So she knew, obviously, that her guest was this boyfriend. But I did not put his name on the invitation. I just put Miss Charnel Davenport and guest. And so when, she, and I just really sent her an invitation just so the jail went for a keepsake. <laughs> but she says, so when she gets the invitation, she says, are you not expecting me to bring Jahi? And I said, yeah. And so she's why didn't you put his name on the invite? And I said, well, I, I assume you knew who your guest was. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was just like, you're strange, but I'm just saying you're not obligated to put the guest name. So because for some people, you know, you may know the, the person's full name. You may not, but you just may know. I know she has a steady person, right? Does that make sense? Gotcha. And that way, because technically you're really inviting her. You're just extending her the opportunity to bring her guest. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. What is the etiquette for when you make a place card? So it'll be, you know, Ashley Whitby and his or her place card. Well, the plate, well, the, if you were talking about the escort card. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So the escort card, then, so when you send back your card for your RSVP card, then you would have both of your names on them, right? Okay. So then the, escort card is we we typically like to single them out unless Mm -hmm. it was a mr and mrs so because you guys aren't mr and mrs then we would probably do we would do separate escort cards for you guys 
But let's just say if it was a company that did not do that, mm-hmm. then more than likely we wouldn't list them as Anne. We would just list them as two separate names. So it wouldn't matter mm-hmm. that your name was first. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So it would still yeah. have Miss Tania Pario and Dr. John Doe. Okay. But the gotcha. Anne wouldn't be okay. there. They would just list, be listed as two different names. Okay. Gotcha. That makes and sense. That's, and you could actually do that on the envelope too. You wouldn't have to list them. If you wanted her name to go first, you could list her name first, then his name without an article. Mm. Okay. Never would have thought about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Should guests note in the invitation that they prefer money or cash in lieu of a registry? <laughs> you shouldn't put either of those in the invite. So you should not put any gift information in the invite, but you could put that on your wedding website. So on the wedding website, you could put um, if there was a registry or if you were having a a wishing well wedding. But it's it's not a proper etiquette, but you could put it on there or you could just let, you know, word of mouth filter it. Because but honestly, in 2019, most people give money. They don't really every now and then. I mean, you know, it's proper to really kind of register at one place just because you have some people who really do like to buy gifts. But mm-hmm. other than that, you know, most people are coming with cards. So you really don't have to worry about that. Okay. But it's okay. not proper to put it on the invitation. Makes sense. Thank you. So if someone wanted to book you, what should they do? You could email us mm-hmm. at hello at paperedwonders.com. Or you could either call our office. And that information is on paperedwonders.com. Obviously, you could follow all of our social media handles. And that's Papered Wonders. So that's really easy. Uh I mean, if you just remember Papered Wonders, you could really find us, right? On Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, But the easiest way is to email us at hello at paperedwonders.com or april at paperedwonders.com or lisa at paperedwonders.com or paperedwonders.com. Just remember that, paperedwonders.com, and you would be able to find us. (laughs) (laughs) Our final question is, why should a couple select Papered Wonders over doing it themselves or opting for one of the, like, wedding box brands? Well, I just would never recommend doing it yourself. So please book somebody, okay? There are, (laughs) if you don't want to book us, please just book somebody. Just because, again, you really do want to enjoy the experience of planning a wedding and getting married. Um, There's just Mm -hmm. so much that comes, and the time really goes by fast. So there's a lot of stress that we cannot take off of you. So we would encourage you to allow us to take this particular stress off of you. But I would say that, you know, booking paper wonders really would allow you to have a great customer experience um, and a great custom experience because we really do take pride in working with all of our brides, all of our grooms, and um, not just the bride and groom, honestly, but we've enjoyed working with just families because we work with some moms, the moms-in-law, and helping them to really curate, you know, a stationary experience that just kind of really manifests itself into the wedding experience. Because (laughs) if you think about it, there are really only two things that last beyond the wedding day, and that's the paper and the pictures. And so Mm -hmm. you really want to make sure that you've invested in the things that are going to last. And, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, hopefully 50 years from now, you can look back on your paper and recall all of those wonderful things about your wedding. And that is always our goal, is to make sure that we've created beautiful stationary pieces that are going to allow you to relive the best moments 
of your wedding over and over and over again. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so we're not going to let you go just yet, but almost. Now we're going to go into our unsolicited advice portion of the show, which is when I give brides and grooms-to-be advice they didn't ask for. So this week's uh, or this episode's advice is kind of similar to what I was mentioning earlier today, honestly. When you go through your, and I think I've kind of mentioned this before for a different industry or a different subset, but whatever, I'm going to say it again. So when you're doing your vendor research um, and you're looking for a makeup artist, please, 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 please do not go off anyone that is face tuning their photos because that is not a proper, a proper representation of their actual aesthetic. So they might go with an airbrush look, but cheeks should still be defined. Um, wrinkles should still show up. The makeup is not going to completely cover just normal age <laughs> within a face. Like faces have creases sometimes. Faces have distinct features that um, one should still see. And face tuning really makes you look goofy. Um, <laughs> so even if they are face tuning their photos, follow them, see if they're posting um, like videos because chances are they don't know how to do that same feature on a video. So really just do your research and pick a makeup artist that actually knows what she's doing. That is it. Very good information. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I noticed that recently, so just wanted to share to anybody else going through the same thing. <laughs> okay. Well, now we will get into the Black Wedding Vendor shout out. And so, April, we'll have you go first. Well, there are obviously so many different vendors that I really could shout out. Mm-hmm. But based on Ashley's unsolicited advice, I would assume that she did not have the most positive experience with makeup <laughs> artist. So I will choose to shout out my makeup artist. Um, and he is actually uh, a wedding makeup artist and just a makeup artist in general. And I love him dearly. And he's been doing my makeup for, oh my God, I don't know, so many years now, but he's wonderful. And his name is Scooby West of Scooby West Hair and Makeup. Um, so... Ashley, yeah. I would encourage you to reach out to him. <laughs> and anybody, I would encourage you to reach out to him. Um, he's wonderful, but he also has a wonderful team behind him. And they do weddings all across Atlanta, all across Georgia, really. But he's a great guy, has a great personality. So definitely look him up. I could actually send you his information when we are done with this. So Please reach do. out. So shouting Thank out. Scooby Will. Okay. <laughs> Ashley, for next. Oh, well, all right. (laughs) So I came across this vendor earlier today. And it's funny because ever since our episode with Janice, who, congratulations, recently got married. um, She mentioned that how hard it was to find different black vendors in Brooklyn, which was actually very surprising to both of us when we heard that. And so she mentioned I think the lack of finding even like a black florist 
well mm-hmm. today. I have discovered a black florist in Brooklyn. Her Instagram is Brooklyn Blooms NYC. Her name is LaParis Phillips. And she does events, weddings, all retail, all of that. Um, and her work is very, very nice. I mean, you can really tell she knows what she's doing. Um, she has a very wide range of skills, I'll say, because her arrangements don't look the same or don't have like one kind of buttoned up look. So kind of wish I found this out before Janice got married. So I could have suggested it to her, but maybe there's somebody else listening in the New York area that's looking for a black vendor. So again, that's LaParis Phillips with Brooklyn Blooms NYC. Yeah, she's great. You've worked with her before. You heard of her. Yeah, our our wedding planner and uh, we have a wedding planner friend in New York that we work with all the time. She's yeah, she she's worked with her. She's great. It is nice. very odd that she had not heard of her though. Yeah, yeah, I found it strange. Well, I mean, we've talked to obviously now a few like brides from different areas, and even in the most kind of like predominantly black areas that you would mm-hmm. think of, they would struggle to find certain vendors that were black. So. Hopefully. Yeah, we were very surprised by that because New York yeah. is so Especially like large. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully over time that is eradicated by these shout-outs we do every week. But anyway. Okay. Yes. Mia, who so, is yours? So I have a, um, a baker. She does custom cakes, cookies, and cake pops. I was recently looking for someone to do a custom cookie for me. And so um, I came across... Belinda from Sweet Creations by B. She's located here in the Atlanta area and mm-hmm. scrolling through her Instagram, her cakes, her cookies, and her cake pops look amazing. And oh, I see. If you are in need of someone who does cakes, cookies, or cake pops, please reach out to her. And that is Sweet Creations by B. The letter B. Yes, the letter B. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that basically wraps up our show. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much again, April, for coming on the show and talking to us. You have really provided so much information that yes. I don't even think I realized I needed to know <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. So thank you so much again. And the fact that you decided to squeeze us into your extremely busy day as you do have weddings on the horizon. So again, no thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. No problem. And I would definitely be reaching out to you all because I have no clue about graphic design and you know, all <laughs> that. So I will come to you all <laughs> because you okay, all are the experts. Yes. Thank you so much. You guys no have a problem. great evening. All right. You as well. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.